Have you ever been lost? You remember being lost? You remember the, uh, that panic of being unexpectedly separated from a parent or from a child or caregiver? I was only lost once. I got lost in the mall. I was only lost once as a child. I got lost in the mall. It was my fault. It was cool to see the offices down the hallway, but it wasn't exactly what my mom wanted to do that day. When, you, when someone gets lost or when you're lost in the car in the strange part of town, like that time Natalie and I were lost in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and she still doesn't want to talk to me about it, there's this like panic and this pain-filled feeling. It's inside your stomach, right? It's anxiety-inducing. And here's the good news. God cares about the things that get lost, right? God cares about, uh, about those things that get lost. And Jesus cared for the lost, that maybe especially cared for the lost. And that is so different from the religious leaders at the time to which Jesus tells these parables today. Because they cared about things. They just were concerned about actions and righteousness. They were worried about delineating insiders from outsiders and keeping their insider status meant that someone had to be on the outside. So they were okay with certain things and people getting lost. But Jesus causes them trouble. He causes them trouble in his willingness to say he wants to find everyone. He causes them trouble when he says, whosoever will may come. And when he associates with everyone, anyone, the riffraff, so to speak. Jesus associated with everyone. He ate anytime he needed to, even on the Sabbath. And he healed on the Sabbath, out of time, out of turn, in relation to what those religious leaders would have had him do. Jesus did all of this, not just to be a rebel, but he did it so that all might be found. God wants us all to be found today, and so a parable like, the, like this, or like these, these parables are still also about us. And that means they are good news. So let's read about this good news. Let's read about these parables. Let's read them from, from Jesus in the 15th chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So he told them this parable, which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave to the other ninety-nine in the does not leave the other ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven. Over one sinner who repents, then over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. 
Or when a woman, woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search until she carefully finds the one. When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels, in the angels of God, over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A while back I was having a conversation with uh, my friend David. He was telling me about his wife who grew up as a missionary kid in Malawi, in Africa, and about how every time she noticed anyone who had a Ziploc bag stuck to the window, she identified with them. She identified with them because in Malawi, a Ziploc bag, when she was growing up, was, was, was precious. They had great value, which meant that you needed to use them over and over and over again because you couldn't just run to Walmart and get another box of them. They also... This, this story reminds me of these parables about the need to care for something like the way the sheep and this woman care for her coins, or the, the shepherd and this woman care for the coins or for the sheep. See, in, in my home growing up, though, there was a drawer, there still is a drawer in my mom's house that has used bags in it. Some of them, there are the boxes of new baggies that you get to use, but, but the, the, the bigger bags, the freezer bags, or the big ones that you can put several loaves of bread in at a time for efficient freezing, those, they're still in there. For a long time, my mom even kept those paper ties, the twisty ties, until the paper was off of them and it was just wire that was left. I see, some of you understand, you, you see this, you know, you keep track of things. There's a generation, uh, there are generations among us who keep track of those things because it made sense to keep track of them because they were precious. And these days, it's different, isn't it? I I can guarantee you that the percentage of Ziploc bags that get reused at 210 Bell Street is minimal, less than 1%. In fact, as a point of confession maybe, we often put stuff in baggies when we're going to put it in the fridge because we know we're just going to throw it out later anyway. It's just easier that way. It's easier than actually having to clean the Tupperware dish. It's easier, but it's not better. It's more wasteful, isn't it? It's less frugal, and and, and we're definitely more willing to just let something go these days and move on to the next thing. It's, it's It's a product of the broader culture as well, We're just willing to dispose of things. Having 99% of something is good enough, like more than 99% of the time. We become exceedingly casual about that final little 1% because it's easier to just grab what we can and move on. And this disposable culture where 99% is good enough is not just about the Ziploc baggies we either do or don't wash and reuse. When the iPhone gets a little slow, there's entire generations of people who replace them after 18 months. 
There's actually a program you can join so that you can get a new one every year. Even though my other, my in-laws use one from like 10 years ago. I can't believe it still works. When it's time to mop, the company Swiffer invented those Swiffer, Swiffer things, so you don't actually have to care for a mop. You just throw away the dirty pad. And I don't know about your house, but mine goes through paper towels by the cartful. We trade in, we trade up, we trade out of stuff that is not fully, perfectly ideal because we love the idea of having something shiny and new. And that may be to mask what's going on on our insides, but that's a different sermon altogether. I think, in part, the carelessness of our disposable culture creates a disconnect from parables like these. There are some who know exactly what it feels like to sweep out the house to find the lost coin, whether there were ten coins to start with or a hundred or a thousand. Those who lived through the Depression or were influenced by careful, frugal families understand the shepherd and the woman a whole lot better than some of us who are kids of the 70s and 80s of 90s, periods of relative success and prosperity, periods of excess, periods where it was okay to just waste. And so to many of us, seeking uh, this woman who seeks her lost coin, or this shepherd who goes out and leaves 99 sheep to find that one, they seem crazy. They seem irrational. They seem like, why would you ever do that? And maybe that's precisely the point. I know it's a little bit different read on the text, but maybe the point is this. The fact that some of us see these things as just disposable, just able to be left behind, maybe that's a key to the extravagance of God and the extravagance of God's love that's present in these parables. I brought some visual aids for you this morning. Cam helped me with them last night. This is a hundred Legos, I think. And in my house, when you ask the child to clean up a hundred Legos, if 99 get cleaned up, it's usually pretty good. And it's not until late at night, when you're walking through the house, and this one is buried in the carpet that you find number 100, is it? James has Legos today. Or 100 coins. I know the woman only had 10, but as unimpressive as 100 coins are, 10 are even less. There's, there's, there's no way that if I told you I hid 100 coins in the sanctuary somewhere, that if the last one was only worth a nickel, that someone would overturn every cushion and every corner to find the one silly coin. It would be exhausting. It would be maddening. And even if you don't work by the hour, it would be a terribly inefficient use of time to find the one penny that's missing from the pile. Searching for these coins is not efficient, it's not effective. It's, it's not a luxury that most of us have. 
Especially when, like yesterday, I, I left seven cents at the convenience store because I didn't want it jingling around in my bicycle jersey pocket while I was riding. Give a penny, take a penny, right? Searching every corner, every lost place. It's inefficient, it's ineffective, it's irrational, and it is possibly exactly the point of the parables today. The point of these parables is maybe that they are impractical, that they don't make sense, because in every other way, 99% is enough. But that's why God is God, and that's how much God loves us, because in God's world, 99% isn't enough. 99 of you is not enough if there are 100 to be had. Let that sit for a second. Think about that. We say it all the time, but, but, but maybe, maybe it's too cliche. If you were the lost coin, God would sweep the house for you all the way out. If you were the lost Lego, God wouldn't wait till you showed up in the carpeting in the middle of the night with bare feet. God would come find you. If you were the sheep, or when you are the, sh- the sheep that wanders off, intentionally or unintentionally, God wants to come find you and get you, chase you down, and welcome you back in. These parables illustrate the irrationality of a God who goes so far beyond even our best, even the most virtuously frugal among us. God goes all the way because God wants to welcome us all. God chases us all down. God seeks to find all of us. And really the only thing that that awaits, the, the only condition is we have to be willing to want to be found. All we have to do is receive God's gift of being found. And when we're found, when we're welcomed back into life with God, We're welcomed back into his fold or his flock. We can be cared for and provided for and loved and protected. All things we actually really, really need. All of these things we have felt at one time or another, all of these things help us to understand the many ways in which God is different from us But in that way, God is exactly what we need. We need to be found. We need to be people who help God find lost sheep as well. Because this is what God does, and so this is what we are called to do also. For the first 23 years of my life, September 11th was just my brother's birthday. And then in 2001, I guess it was the first 23 years of his life. It was 24 of mine. And then in 2001, that all changed. On that terrible day, we were, our country was attacked. And in the hours and days that followed, you and I know and remember that heroes emerged. It was quick and it was easy to see who they were. Because before the dust even settled... 
There were first responders who were at work, putting out fires, putting back together families, pulling away the rubble to find every last one who might be lost. For months, these faithful servants worked and worked to find what was lost long after they knew what it was they would find. They did this because when you're a first responder, this is what you do. This is the call you've responded to. It's a way of living and being. It's not just a job for them. It's who they are. And as many of us are different from that because we're not wired that way to go do it the way they are and that gives us pause for great thanks for them. They run in when others are running out. They search out the disaster and seek to sort it out in ways that other, uh, among us, others among us would avoid it. They help anyone and everyone that they can They didn't ask about political affiliations or religious alignment when they were pulling away the rubble. They didn't check IDs or run background checks before they saw who was fit to be found. If there was someone who needs help, they just do it. If there's someone who's at risk of being lost, those first responders, go and find them. It's what they do. And in contrast to the rest of us, who sometimes are willing to let go after we've found 99 of these things, they go to get the hundredth. And so on earth, they look a lot like what God does. They operate in a much different realm than the God we love and worship, but they are a picture, a visible, tangible picture of what it looks like to make sure that all are found. And for them we give thanks. And for a God who does that, we stand in awe and give great thanks also. I began this sermon with the question of being lost. Have you ever been lost? Do you remember that pit, that feeling in the pit of your stomach when you're lost and you're not quite sure where you're going? We read about a God who searches every corner, every crack and crevice for us. We can talk about the rationality or the irrationality of searching for one lost little thing. But we're also affirmed in the ways in which God searches out every lost little one of us, especially when it comes to us. And so think about the question that these parables might bring to you. Is something lost today that you need to find? Is someone lost today that you need to find? Are are you the one who's lost and needs to figure out how God's going to find you? Is there a part of you that needs to be found again? Where does God need to come find you? And, And how do you and I Maybe need to begin to act a little bit more like God, who is radically willing to both be found and go find those who need to be found. I think these parables open up a world of possibilities for us as we think about how we might be found, how God wants to find all of his people, and how we can work with God to find those who need it.
And I think though that though this is sobering news in some ways, it is at its heart good news. It's good news for us. It's not happy celebratory news. It is serious good news. Because it's the good news that sends us to places to comfort those who need comfort, to help those who need help, and to experience a God who longs to find all of his people. So today, God wants us all to be found, all of us and all of his sheep. And so this morning, as we pray, ask God to show you how you are to participate in his life and his presence as it relates to these beautiful parables that we've read this morning. Will you pray with me? Gracious God and loving God, we're thankful that you are loving and extravagant and amazing and stronger and more willing to go to places than we are. Forgive us for the ways that we fall short. Forgive us for the ways we seek to still be lost or the ways we go out and get lost. But fill us with the assurance that you love us, that you're always coming to chase us, that you want to find us. And that more than anything, you want to love us and have us as a sheep of your flock. Lord, help us to find our way back into your flock by responding to you. And help us to find ways to help others into your flock, those who are lost. May we not see anybody worth disposing of. And may we see everybody as precious in your sight today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this word. And we pray that you would help bring us life and love and joy and your presence through responding to it today. It's in your name. We pray these things.